0: Our church family, uh, and, and that's so important to us today, and, and hence why we so desperately want to be here today together, uh, is to, we, we miss one another. I mean, as, as ugly and all that that so many of us are, you know, we still want to see each other, you know, and, uh, and I, and I want to see you. I've, I've missed you, you know. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I love Jerry. Jerry has worked his tail off through this. So has Nathan and so many other people. Uh, you guys just don't even know what we've been through, what they've been through to try to help make things happen. But, it, but in the, in the, in the, as much as I love Jerry and as much as I, I appreciate the time together with him and a video camera, I love seeing your faces, you know? And uh, man, what, a, what an awesome day for us to be together. I, I, I want to share this passage with you today. And uh, in this passage, uh, we have uh, a little bit even just more understanding about the church. And uh, this morning, I'm reminded that the church in Scripture is often described like a building. You know, we, we say, if you've been around 24 for any length of time, then you already know that we know that the church is not concrete and steel. We know that it's not a building well, we, we may call it you know the church sometimes or whatever out of habit or whatever it may be but we know that in our hearts we know that the church is made up of the people, the body of believers and that she the people is the bride of Jesus and, and that's a that's a huge statement for us today and and even though we see in scripture that the church looks you know is is Oftentimes talked about like a building, it's a metaphor, you know, and and it's not really talking about the buildings that we know as church buildings, Uh, you know. And in fact, if you're like me, a lot of us grew up, and this is an old joke, but you know, a lot of us grew up in you know in church where you know if you were running in church, you couldn't run in church, right? You know, if you ran in church, it's like it's like don't don't you be running in church? Don't you don't you be running in God's house, right? You know, and it was like, it was like the, there was this understanding that God was like this old man that was going to have a heart attack if kids were running through his house, you know. Don't let that happen. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. And the church has a foundation, and it does have a structure. And Scripture talks about that. It talks about a pillar and a foundation of truth. And we have this understanding that we, as the body of believers, are an infrastructure to the church today, and that Jesus himself is the cornerstone. Now, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jesus, the cornerstone. And and I want you to look at this with me. Luke, Luke 20 is a parable which Jesus shares about a guy who owns a vineyard. Now, I realized last night when I was sitting down with a few people what a dangerous thing we had done when we told everybody to bring their own drinks. So this may really resonate with some of you that I know, I don't know, more than others. But let's check it out together. It's a guy that owns a vineyard, and and, and Jesus tells this story. It says this in verse 9. It says, And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. So he owned a vineyard. He had, got a vineyard going. And then, he, and then he left it with people that he had hired to be there to take care of it and whatnot. And, and then he takes out, goes to another country for a while. Verse 10, it says, When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. So the owner sends one of his people to go and collect some of that fruit, some of that wine probably as well. And when he goes, the tenants that are there who the owner left it with, beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Verse 11 says, "And And he sent another servant. But they also beat him, beat and treated him shamefully, it says, and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. We're on the third guy that the owner has sent back to his vineyard. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? He has an idea. I will send my beloved son... Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Jesus asks this question to the people that he's talking to. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others when they heard this they said to jesus the crowd said to jesus surely not surely not they're not going to they're not going to kill him surely not they say verse 17 but he looked directly at them jesus looked directly at them and he said what then is this that is written the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We'll read that again. What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus goes on, he says, Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus tells this story. And it seems, you know, simple enough story, right? Man, look at this. I'm getting a walk back and forth. Look at that. Look at that. Jerry's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Caught him away from the camera for a half second. I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay near to here. Um I do we do want people on at, online to be able to, to watch. Uh and so you know, In this story, Jesus tells of this owner of a vineyard, and as he tells this story, he's sending all these people, his people, to go and collect for him these things. And the people that the owner left it with are hurting these people, casting them out, sending them away empty-handed. Now, if, if you're like me as an owner of anything in this world, you can't help but just kind of buck up a little bit when you hear that, right? I mean, we're like, no, no, uh-uh. no, no, wait a minute. That's not the way this works. That's not the way we do this. And, and as part of this, what Jesus is, is doing is he's telling a story to relay something that had been happening all along. And when he gets to the end of the story, if you notice, what's he do at the very end of the story? He sends his son, right? He sends his son. Why does does he send the son? He sends the son because he thinks that they will respect the son. And and then in turn, what do they see? They see the guy who's going to get the inheritance. So they're like, well, we'll just kill that guy and we'll see if we can get all the money that he's supposed to get, right? Jesus tells them that they're going to do that, tells the crowd that they're going to do that. And they say, surely not surely not. They're not going to do that to that guy. That, there's just no way. Why would they do that to that guy? He's the son. He's gonna, you know, they're going to respect him, right? And Jesus says, what then is it that is written, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Jesus is giving an exact quote right there from Psalm 118.22. Psalm 18.22. So many, many, many moons before, hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, it was written what Jesus is sharing in this story, and Jesus is bringing this full circle. Jesus wants them to be able to see, don't you see what my Father has been doing all along? He's been sending people all along. He's been sending prophets all along. And and what? And what? They would be rejected. They would be beaten. They would be hurt. They would be sent home empty-handed many times. Right? And then the Father would send the Son. And it says of Him that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone Jesus makes very clear. We actually have this in, in each of the Gospels. Jesus referring to Himself as the cornerstone. The cornerstone. And He goes further there in verse 18. He says, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Right there, He's talking about for those who reject Christ, they are rejecting true life. They're rejecting being a part of the family of God. This cornerstone thing is an interesting thing. already had many of you make comment of the stone that is on the building that you see. I've got a little more of this to put up in the days to come. That's what will be on a couple of these areas that uh, seem to be unfinished on the older part of the building. This stone is stone. You know? Nothing super special about it. And if you didn't know much about a cornerstone, you wouldn't think much about that either. The thing about a cornerstone is a cornerstone in in this day and age is more symbolic than anything. These days, if you you have a cornerstone, it's usually a symbolic thing. A lot of times they'll be, you know, maybe even be hollowed out and people will put something in it or whatever. You know, like if we'd really been thinking about, you know, this on the front end of this, you know, we could have, you know, put like uh, pennies, dental floss in it or something, you know, and stuff for like people to find one day down the road, I guess. I don't know. I never really understood that because most of the time with a cornerstone, it's underneath the building's there forever until somebody tears the building down, uh, or I guess when they redo it, you know. But a cornerstone at the time when Jesus is sharing about this was a huge deal for a building. In fact, a cornerstone was the very first stone laid. It was the very first stone laid. And although today it's symbolic, for then, it wasn't just a symbolic thing. It was what, It's what determined the trajectory of everything that was built behind it and built on it. According to the direction in which that stone was turned would determine in the direction in which the walls would go. The orientation of all buildings at that point in time, were determined by the cornerstone. Many months ago, back in January, for those of you that were here and we celebrated 15 years of, of worshiping together as 24 Church, uh, we got one of these little track hose out and we dug some holes out there in the front yard and some of you got little cups and you put some of that dirt in it and maybe you've been using that as an opportunity to, when you see it, to be reminded to pray for what God is doing here for our church. As we have been praying over that, those cups, it is symbolic of something. It is symbolic of what God wants to do. I'm not going to say that we did this on purpose, but there's a big part of me that loves the fact that when we've put an addition on this thing, and, and, and this was up for debate at one point in time, that we took that whole corner of the building and made it stone. As I've been thinking about this passage of Scripture and praying about what God is wanting to do through us as His church, I've been reminded of the call that we have to be reminded that Jesus Himself is the cornerstone to 24 church. Jesus Himself is is the cornerstone to the church at large. And as he put it, the stone that the builders rejected. This is a stone that the builders have rejected. This is a stone that I found that they rejected. I don't know why. I don't know why it wasn't good enough. I have no idea. I didn't ask. I just found it, and I grabbed it. But I'm reminded that we God's people have are the ones who rejected Jesus we've rejected Jesus with the sin in our life but yet even though even though the builders rejected him Even though we rejected Him, He still became the cornerstone for us that we could put all faith, all hope, all trust in through the cross and through the shedding of His blood. He gave His life that we might find forgiveness and true life in this world and the one to come. That we get to become a part of the family of God. How awesome is it to get to be with our family today, right? I mean, look at this. It looks like a stinking Alan Jackson video or something. we got kids on tops of pickup trucks and stuff. Don't y'all fall off. We recognize today that Jesus is our cornerstone, and we recognize today that He's the one who determines the trajectory in which we will go. He's the one that we build on today. He's the one that sets the pace for what it looks like for us to carry on as 24 Church. Which way we will go? Which way we will build? How we will work? How we will play? How we will love? How we will serve? This past weekend, we had eight overdoses in Cheatham County. Two deaths. That's this past weekend. It is this reminder for me, for us, that God has placed us here right now for this time and place in history That this place that we live in, through all the hurt, through all the pain, whatever addiction, whatever sin, whatever stuff that folks might be dealing with, that we have been called to be here, to be Jesus to those people. That they should experience His love through us. Serving Him by serving them. Gospel, family, mission. We, the church, are called to worship our Savior in everything that we do. To teach His Word that others might know the truth about Jesus and His saving grace. That we might make disciples of others. That we might lead others to Jesus and help them to grow in Him. And that we might in turn together go out and reach those people by loving on those people and serving those people who don't know Him in whatever way possible that God puts in front of us. Some days it'll be a food truck. Some days it'll be a ministry that doesn't even exist yet. But whatever it is, we are reminded today, folks, we, we, hear me, hear me loud and clear, we don't have the answers. Jesus has the answers. We, we are not the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. And today, we trust in Him for His hope and His guidance and His leading in our lives. Let's pray together. God, we love You, and God, we can't thank You enough for what You've done for us through Your Son, Jesus. God, help us. Help guide us. Help us not to get to any point in our life where we just lay down on You and Your mission. God, I pray that we would go full force until the day we die. God, as long as You give us breath, God, I pray that we would use it to praise Your name, that other people might know who You are because they know us. God, I pray, Lord, that we would build all foundations on You. God, I pray, Lord, that we would allow You, Lord, to show us the trajectory, the direction in which we go in all things. God, we thank You today for the opportunity we have, Lord, to come here to worship You. God, be glorified in this place today as even we still sing Your name. God, I pray, Lord, that it would be for you and not for us. God, thank you for all you've done for us. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray all these things. Amen.